Welcome to All the Wiser, a show about hope and possibility on the other side of pain. I'm your host, Kimmy Culp, and today we have an All the Wiser first. We are checking back in with one of our beloved past guests, Zach Robidas. Zach is an actor. You may have seen him most recently on a little-known show called Succession. He played one of the news anchors at ATN, and he won an Emmy as part of the ensemble cast of the show. I first met Zach when he had me on as a guest on his show called The Pod Spotter. It was during the early days of the pandemic, and the day we recorded, he told me that his wife, Marnie, had just been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. That was three years ago. And two years ago, I invited Zach and Marnie to join me for an episode of A Little Wiser to talk about their experiences navigating cancer as a couple. If you'd like to listen to that episode, we called it A Big Love Story, and it was released on March 24th, 2021. We'll also link to the episode in our show notes. But for now, I'd love to play you a clip from our conversation so you can get a small taste of the effortless magic between Zach and Marnie. Take a listen. And no matter what this thing has been throwing at her, she's just like, <sighs> she's resilient. And uh, you just can't underestimate uh, the human ability to like just endure bullshit. Yeah, Marnie's got that in spades. <laughs> Marnie, what have you learned about... Just know I'm, I'm sobbing over here. <laughs> I'm just silently sobbing. <laughs> It's, it's um, her. This is what Kimmy does. This is what Kimmy does to Can people. you, Kimmy? <laughs> it's a three-way cry on a Tuesday morning. Oh, my goodness. Um, Marnie, what have you learned about Zach and, and your marriage and love in the past year? His dedication to us, his love for his family, surpasses anything that I thought it ever could be. It's so inspiring, and I know how hard it is for him to see me going through this stuff, and he's just been such a champ about it, because if he falls apart, I fall apart. So we try our best to, you know, just find little moments where we're like, today's a cry day. Let's just hug each other and cry. And and he's just, he's remarkable. I mean, he's he's my best friend, and I, and I love him so much, and, and I just am in awe, and I a lot of people don't have the support system to go through this. And so the fact that I'm still able to feel loved and, and beautiful while my body falls apart in some ways every day is such a gift. And that's not easy to give. I know it's hard for him to see me, you know, going through the diabetes, losing my hair, losing eyebrows, you know, breast cancer, inflammatory breast cancer is a, is a physical thing. There's a mark. You can see the rash that's hard for him to look at. And the fact that we're still able to be together, to love each other, to flirt, to play with one another, to be intimate is such a gift. And it's helping me win this battle every day. I know that's not easy. It was such a privilege meeting Marnie. We laughed, we cried, and sadly, Marnie passed away 14 months after that conversation. So I wanted to check in with Zach on the year anniversary of her death. We talk about how they fell in love, their time living as young actors in New York, starting a family during COVID, 
Marnie's diagnosis, and their army of support. We also talk about grief, husband grief, and toddler grief. It was late when we recorded this episode, and it is raw, unfiltered, and beautifully honest. I hope you enjoy the very funny, wise, and wonderful Zach Robidas. Hello, Zach. Hi, Kimmy. And welcome back to All the Wiser. <laughs> welcome back. You know, it's really funny. I, I, of all the talk shows out there, I never thought that this one would be the one I'd have a recur on. Yes. But hey, yeah. I'll take it. Hi, Kimmy. Um, hi. <laughs> so, Zach, you and I, you and I met during the pandemic. You had me on your podcast, Pod Spotter, when you were profiling all the wiser. And in that conversation, it was really, really early on in COVID. And you shared with me that your wife, Marnie, had recently been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And it's been three plus years since we had that conversation. And a year after that, you know, I, I had the privilege of meeting Marnie and laughing with you and Marnie on this podcast as well. So I wanted to come back on. I know it was your anniversary of, of her death recently. Right. Is that right? Yep. You lost her in May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And check in with you. I have spent a lot of time um, these past couple of days in preparation for talking to you, looking at pictures of Marnie, reading her words, reading everything from the GoFundMe to the Facebook to her sister Mm. writing about her to you writing about her to her writing about you. And it's just been a a real gift and treat to get to know her. And I'm hoping that in our conversation today that our listeners can know her and and know what she was about. And we can all learn from her a little bit. Well, thank you. Thank you for going down that rabbit hole. It is vast. We, uh, and it, it goes both ways too. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy for that digital footprint, but I'm also, it's terrifying because I'll see like articles, like tabloid, like sometimes like, so, because Marnie was on soaps for years. So I'll see like some clickbaity thing oh. with like the most tender, what I thought you know, like private <laughs> Instagram posts that someone picked and used it to like, you know, make some uh, weird... Clickbaity type. Yeah, yes. yeah. I guess I only mentioned that because, uh, you know, I haven't really talked to a lot of folks about Marn, but I'm I'm certainly happy to talk to you about her because I know that you do, you know, just take such tremendous care in the past with her story, with, with our story and with our words. So tell me about meeting Marnie. I know you guys fell in love uh, relatively young, right? But tell me about meeting her. Meeting Marnie for the first time? Yeah. Uh, I was uh, being given a tour of uh, my undergrad and her best friend was giving the tour and I was a transfer student and she called her friend Marnie over because I was a theater kid and she was a theater kid and she was like, can you explain the theater program to this guy? And Marnie proceeded to talk uninterrupted for what was undoubtedly 45 minutes, like (laughs) just kept going on and on about the program. And uh, her nickname was 110% Marnie. And in that moment, she was 
helping her friend and giving 110%. But I was like, will this person stop talking ever? And I left the interaction thinking, theater nerd, stay away. And, uh, and I ended up going to school there and learning that like, she was indeed not, she was often, you know, out partying and hanging out with like the jocks. And I was probably more the theater nerd and she just is that exuberant and just full of life with everyone, especially with her friends, if they ask her for something. How long after meeting did you fall in love? Uh, it was probably working together and doing theater together. We did a show called Trojan Women where we worked intimately and closely together. And you know, in that, like, they call them show goggles in that sort of environment <laughs> where everything is so precious and sacred in that collaborative process with someone. You develop relationships and this one was not immune to show goggles. And I ended up having the opportunity to stay with some friends on Cape Cod where she's from for one summer and jumped at that opportunity because I knew she would be there. I got her email because she was one of the last humans on earth to own a cell phone. And I emailed her that summer and was like, Hey, I'm going to be on Cape Cod. What's going on? And sort of stalked her, but not really. Um, and then, um, you know, as all like budding relationships do have like stops and starts, especially when you meet your person as young as, I don't know, 19, 20, and then moved to New York together and started acting together. And we're both professional actors, collaborators for 16 years in Manhattan, where we both just sort of worked on things off and on booking jobs, her doing soaps, me doing commercials, TV things here and there. Did you always know that you wanted to have a family? Oh, yeah. 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 But like a dumb, dumb guy, I was like, you know, no, I have to have a certain amount of money and you know, all ducks have to be in a row. And she was in no hurry either. We were, neither of us were in any hurry. You know, we were having fun. We were having a good time. We were living the gypsy bohemian life of young actors in New York, you know, uh, booking jobs and going out of town and doing summer theater and hanging out with friends and really just enjoying ourselves for an easy, easy 15 years, uh, not a lot of hurdles. And then all of a sudden, all of them packed into to three years with a global pandemic and stage four cancer. So you eventually did decide to start a family. Tell me about having CODA. Yeah, so the beginning was like unbelievable. We're, we're going into a time where we're forced to be indoors. Everyone is forced inside during this global pandemic. And it's arguably the greatest time in human history to have a child. Like you, no one's working, you're home. Everything's delivered to your house, food, groceries. You're under no obligation to see anyone. You just hunker down and you make this little being your whole world. And on top of that, all of your like friends that don't have kids are doing the same thing. And they're <laughs> Zooming and hanging out with you every night. Like it was 
the best, you know, until diagnosis and everything changed. So Coda is born in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, right before Christmas. And it's a blur. I don't remember a single thing. Uh, other than it was a natural birth, Marnie is truly the strongest person and refused any intervention. And it was tough. Like, it was a fight. I remember at one point, she finally agreed to some nitrous. And the woman came in with this tank and, like, it would become one of those stories that we would laugh about. It was as though... She was like handling um, a balloon. She was like a balloon party balloon maker. She, yeah, she like, no, she didn't really know kind of what she was doing. She was like, do you even work here, miss? So she's like fumbling around with tubes. Something starts shooting out. Gas is going everywhere. We're like, get, get that out of here. Just forget it. Forget it. We'll, we'll push. Let's go. One thing was clear to me as I was going back reading Marnie's writings and posts from this time. She had a strong intuition. She knew very quickly that something was not right with her body. But if you'll remember, it was incredibly hard to be seen in person by a doctor at that time. So Marnie had a medical examination over Zoom, and she was told that her breast was not consistent with stage four metastatic breast cancer. It was a misdiagnosis, and it cost her precious time. Eventually, she does receive the correct diagnosis, but with the added layer that she had to process this news while going to all of these doctors' appointments alone. Plus, she's in medical facilities that look like ghost towns, with a newborn baby girl waiting for her at home. So what do you remember about the diagnosis and the actual processing of that hmm. as a couple before sharing just how unbelievably isolating it was like you just want to be with family and you just want to have people around you and you can't you can't bring anybody in and you can't be with people because there's the added sort of immunocompromised element to it so at a time when you need people you're stuck with this format of, you know, zooming with people and calling people. And I mean, the first, I don't really remember telling anyone the first week. And then we had a zoom date with like our best dear friends. And regrettably we thought, Hey, why don't we tell them over zoom and bring them in? And we were both <laughs> like, this is afterwards. We were like, that was such a mistake. What a horrible, what a horrible thing to spring on people. We should never do that again. We were like, <laughs> we had to like relive the whole diagnosis together, which I guess, man, it's all like coming back to me now. I haven't, I don't really talk about all of this too much. I have my sort of weekly support group, but I don't really go into the, the, the back, back there place too, too often. But, um, the diagnosis itself was over the phone. We were sitting in our apartment and I don't know how common that is, but you know, we had to hear it over the phone and I'm like fumbling with my phone to record so I can get all of the information while trying to process it. But I do remember what a weird place technology took in that whole time and, uh, how regrettable that part of it was. What do you mean by 
the role technology played at that time. Just all of like the zooming and the need to to reach out to people and just to you know talk to your parents or hug yeah. your parents and be with yeah. them and it's over this like yeah. sort of new yeah quickly adopted like who who said the word zoom 4 years ago you know <laughs> no <one. laughs> uh, and all of a sudden this is how you know major institutions are diagnosing people and family is getting together so yeah i just remember it being that a lot of just strange wanting to be close and longing to be around people and not really feeling it. And so that is probably the impetus of the army and where it grew out of is people just needed to do something. Everyone was sitting around and they wanted to be close and they wanted to help and they wanted to like make sense of all of it. The army that Zach is referring to is a private Facebook group named Marnie's Army that was started by her loved ones soon after she was diagnosed. And it grew to almost a 1,000 people every step of the way. They prayed for her, fought alongside her, and provided comfort and support for Zach, Marnie, and Coda. And here was a noble cause, right? Like here was something that they could do. They could take action towards a clear enemy because there was this weird COVID enemy and here is something that I could be really really pissed at and it also probably gave people perspective I think it also was like yeah it sucks that you have to sit inside and stream days of our lives but guess what like there are bigger problems out there and so that probably also was a galvanizing force behind it but undeniable the the way that as you said Marnie chose to live her life I recently at the march at her memorial read her mission statement that she wrote in college that we all had to write. We had to write a mission statement for like the business of us, the actor business of us. And Marnie's is just basically the whole first page is, I just want to make people happy. <laughs> I just want to make people happy. I want, I want to make them feel at ease when they're around me. And it was all she cared about. You know, if you were talking to her, you were the only person in the room. It was her undoubtedly her special talent, her special skill, her special ability. She made you feel like you were the only person on earth. And it was a quality that belied her looks because by all accounts, she was, you know, never anything but the most beautiful woman in any room. And you would see someone like that and think, uh, they're not going to talk to me or they're snobby or they're self-involved or they have an ego and nothing could be further from the truth of Marnie. And so people just needed to do something for her. And it occurred in this beautiful way where they formed the army and people donated breast milk and people started a food chain and people made sure that even though to dumb, dumb actors weren't really working on anything except a podcast to uh, keep his health insurance, <laughs> uh, that we would be okay, that we wouldn't have to worry about medications and all of that stuff. And Wednesdays were significant for Marnie's army. Is that right? What would happen on Wednesdays? Well, Wednesdays were treatment days. Wednesdays we'd go into MSK and, and get chemo. We'd do it as a family. The three of us would go in and the army started just lighting a candle for her, throwing pictures on the, on the Facebook page. 
It was really cool. Some candles showed up on our stoop. Marnie's aunt, who lives next door to her parents, every Wednesday would light a big star that they had out on their deck. Every Wednesday night, they'd fire that up. And people would post sunsets and just light and send light her way on Wednesdays. So I looked, this was a post I read that she wrote, I guess it was during this time. She said, I, you're truly being tested by your vow in sickness and in health. I don't know if you're going to remember this. And you're unwavering, steadfast, and true. I truly wanted to bask in the glow of new parenthood and MILF life with you, but instead we forgot to shower, pulled our backs, and have transformed our apartment into a doomsday bunker. And then she goes on to talk about a, a couple of other little love notes to you, but she says, for us to sit in peace with the unknown instead of letting it consume us. What was that dance of being able to sit in the unknown and not let it consume you? Hmm. She was far more successful at it than I was. There was not a lot of self-pity allowed or involved. Everything was action and forward. And let's keep looking for the house and let's stay positive and stay forward. I am creating a doomsday bunker. I'm like doing the taping out the floor so that there's the disinfected and non-disinfected grocery sections. And I'm trying to be militant about sterilization and nonsense like that. And Marn was just staying forward and purposed and on top of Coda's developmental needs to a detriment to her own health. You know, she should have been sleeping. She should have been resting at that time and not setting her alarm every four hours in the middle of the night to feed. But she had to compensate for the fact that old lefty, as we would call it, was not producing enough breast milk. So she had to wake herself more often to, to get more breast milk from her functioning side. I don't actually remember what question you asked me. <laughs> no idea. So this idea Marnie had said in the post, she said, my main goal is to crush this cancer and be the partner you deserve oh, to have. Yes, For you to be a partner and never a caretaker, although we might have some of those days. For us to sit in the peace with the unknown instead of letting it consume us. And I think we're doing pretty damn well with all this bullshit. You know what it was and continues to be in my life? now today we would talk a lot about that moment and maybe we talked about this last time but that little moment that comes when something beautiful would happen you know like coda would walk for the first time or she would say dada for the first time and um you this little thing would happen where you'd share in the bliss of the moment but then also the fear of the moment of oh god like I don't know how much of this I'll be here for. I don't know how much of this she'll be here for. You never vocalized it, but it was there. It was there for both of us. And what we really talked about doing and actively tried to do was to hack the, that moment and to trick our brains in a way and say, when that thing creeps in, as opposed to letting it subtract from the moment, let it highlight the moment and let it tell you this this is something, this is beautiful what's happening. This is a day to remember. And that's kind of how we survived that, that Paul, that shadow, you know, from 
from taking away from the bliss and the peace of new birth and childhood and life developing around us while this other thing was, you know, festering. So the other thing she would write about is this Dort Scott quote, you beat cancer by how you live, why you live, and the manner in which you live. (laughs) And so, yeah, I guess you just spoke to a little bit, but does everything become more into focus, more pronounced? I mean, yeah, I mean, I was even thinking about your relationship with time. Is it, it, did you feel as if you were living more awake, if that makes any sense? Like just aware of how precious it is? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, time that the human construct of that still doesn't when something like this happens in a person's life that doesn't, it has no place here. Like a year does not mean anything to me. Like you may have heard people talk about that to you before. It's, it could have been, it's been 60 years since I've seen her. It's been uh, six minutes since I've seen her. I have no idea what, what a year means. Like it's been so long. It's been so short, but what does happen is, yeah, you, you sink into every moment and you really, I mean, the, the good days you just would, we would really celebrate and she would get really mad if I didn't continue to stay forward and continue to celebrate. I think one of, one of the only fights that we got in like almost maybe a month before she passed and we did not fight a lot. You don't fight, you know, with something like this. I mean, maybe people do. We didn't argue a lot as a couple in in life and certainly not during any of this process. It sort of galvanizes and except for one time she came home from the hospital and there was a, a SAG award for like ensemble that I received for succession. And it was just like in the corner under some, you know, under some bills or something. And she saw it. She was so mad at me and she hung it up and she was like, if we don't keep celebrating, then this thing's already won. And she just made sure we just kept forward the whole time. And tell me what kind of mom she was to Coda. Oh, boy. Um, she was a helicopter mom, smothering, <laughs> doting, too much. <laughs> she gave her so much. This kid's so smart. Her language is so advanced. Her teachers tell me all the time, you know how smart she is, right? Ernie just poured everything she could. She didn't have anything else to do except for, you know, keep herself alive and stay on top of all our medical charts and all of that. But every other minute was consumed by Coda's development, getting her to the pediatrician and making sure she was hitting all her benchmarks. There was no bitterness. There was no struggle with being a mom. She was a natural. She took to it. Um, certainly was aware of the irony of, you know, giving life and having this thing try to take hers, but never showed it towards Coda in any way. This idea of all of the love that she had put into the world sort of 
wrapping back around her and you and Coda during this time. How is that? Does that continue to show up for you and for Coda? People check in on me all the time. I know I'm in support groups and I know a theme is like, you know, after your first couple months, like, well, hey, where are the calls? Where's the food? Where's the whatever? People check in on me constantly. Her army is vast and huge and nimble and spontaneous. And the thing I guess that I would articulate about the army is my army is not as strong as Marnie's army. I have this tiny army that I've probably built over my life. I think that we are all building our armies every day and the ranks of those armies rise and fall based on decisions we make and her army just continues to kick ass and Coda and I continue to be the beneficiary of them and now that was the impetus for her father John setting up uh, the org, Marnie'sArmy.org. It's really just a place for all the unexpressed love for Marnie and a place for her legacy to be preserved. Coming up, Zach shares what it was like to grieve the loss of his wife while helping his two-year-old little girl grieve the loss of her mother. Stay with us. All the Wiser is a one-for-one podcast. For every episode you hear, we donate $2,000 to our guest's favorite charity. Today's episode benefits Marnie's Army Fund. Marnie loved her family and friends, and she also loved theater and music. She wanted the Army to become a force of support for Cape Cod theater and music. You can join her army by donating to the fund via marniesarmy.org. How do you, as an actor, I'll I'll, uh, ask the question in terms of roles, but Hmm. you are grieving the loss of your wife. And you're also a single father to a very young, sweet daughter. So what is the process of doing both those things in tandem, being there and strong for her as you're grieving yourself? I think that just being there for Coda has been my singular focus this whole year. I don't, the acting thing has kind of been on the back burner, so it's been easier. It's been refocusing, I guess, of uh, a refocusing of priorities. It's been easier to say no to auditions and appointments and, and things just because her continued growth and development is, it feels like my number one job. Yeah. I guess I meant the duality of your, your grieving. And then also what does it look like for her to grieve? I've never seen the grief process of a toddler. Yeah, it's been a learning experience. So there's wasn't a lot for two and a half year olds. The place that I go to now, it's this amazing non-profit called Good Grief. 
My location's in Morristown, New Jersey, but I highly recommend it for anyone dealing with loss. It's peer led and it's amazing. If for nothing else, like you go and you just realize like, hey, you're not the only one with problems, okay? There's other people that are in this with you. That sort of like commonality thing is a real medicine. But um, at two and a half, she wasn't allowed to go until she was three. You have to be potty trained and sort of furious at the time. Like, what does that have to do with a grieving toddler? She had gone through a regression after Marnie passed. Uh, a little bit of a a speech regression and then she wasn't singing or dancing really for about a week. It kind of looked like that at first. And I, I would try different things to get her out of it. And it, it wasn't until my, my dad gave me this bell that I was going to use for potty training. He was like, cause I was potty training her at the time. He was like, Oh, we used a bell with you kids. You use it, you shake this bell and that means you went potty and you know, that incentivizes them. And that really wasn't working for her. She wasn't really into the bell for that. But I was like, what if I use the bell for mom? And like, I would shake it when I missed Marnie and I would just shake the bell and say, I'm having a mama moment. And, uh, one night I put on Pitbull. That's what I put on. I put on uh, fireball and I was dancing in the kitchen and, uh, I could tell she wanted to dance. I could tell she wanted to move with me. But she was like holding back a little bit and she, uh, she went over and she picked up the bell and she shook it and she said, I'm having a mama moment. And then she came and she just started dancing with me. And, uh, she just didn't know how to articulate that, you know, she missed someone and she wanted to have fun, but her buddy wasn't there with her. So she didn't know how yeah. she's come a long way from that regression and, uh, she's doing really well in daycare and she loves school and she loves people. And when I pick her up, she just asks whose house we're going to, she just wants to be around people. She asks about mom every day and talks about her every day. I had psychologists tell me that, like, she, oh, she's too young. She probably won't even remember her. But part of that is me through pictures and videos we sh I share. We have, you know, we look at baby pictures when she needs it, which is always. But she asks about her a lot. Were there things that were important for Marnie to have or to have her her voice or her guidance or her counsel or her wisdom. I mean, did, did you and Marnie think you about know, how she we, lives on? We never talked about the end. Like we never, she just wouldn't allow it with me. We didn't discuss it. There was no like, Hey, should we make a video of you singing happy birthday to coat? Like we didn't, we just didn't. I know some people can, like some people can do both. They can live in both worlds, but we did not. And we just were like, what's the next thing? What's the next drug? What's the next, how do we get out of this? And so it was just such a surprise. Like when she passed, you could say like, how could you be surprised? She had stage four cancer. She had a tumor growing out of her neck. She was lugging around oxygen, but her spirit truly came to the end was the same. She was the same. And we just didn't do that. Like we didn't talk about legacy stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. 
Like I didn't know a lot. Yeah. And you have to answer some tough questions like right away. And I was just like, we didn't do that. We didn't talk about that shit. Some people can, but we just didn't. I don't know if that's like cowardice or what, but it's how we chose to do it. So what has been, if anything, the greatest comfort to you in this last year? Hmm. Are you asking me how I'm wiser? How am I wiser? <laughs> you can say, how am I all fuck off. Wiser? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. He's <laughs> given me comfort. Fuck <laughs> off. Uh, <laughs> Fuck off. No, I'd never tell you fuck off. Um, what has given me comfort? Like my little support group, just talking to people, gives me comfort. It's just her, like Coda, just being a kid gives me just just great comfort. Watching her grow up and be like a normal kid gives me great comfort. I constantly would struggle early on, like what? is shitty toddler behavior and what is grieving toddler behavior. Yeah. Kind of realized like it's, it's almost always both, mm -hmm. but it's a comfort when I see other toddlers are also shitty. That's yeah. a comfort. So yeah. I'm like, Oh, this kid's normal. Okay, great. They all kind of do that, that yeah. thing. But you're parenting alone. I mean, that's not, not easy. Parenting can be. No, but I, yeah. I do have a good community. And uh, my mom helps out, you know, she comes up when she can. But no, it is. Uh, I just ask so many questions. I ask everyone. I talk to everybody. I have a lot of mom's groups. My mom's groups give me comfort. And friends in the army gives me comfort. Harry Styles has given me comfort. I got to say that. Coda oh loves gosh. that album. Watermelon Sugar. Has given Hi. me comfort. <laughs> oh, my Lord. What do you want to listen to? Harry Styles. Harry Styles. She loves it. But then, uh, oh, man, a couple saddies come on that album. You got to be careful. Yeah. And uh, Is she a Swifty? Not yet. Not yeah. yet. No. But I know it's coming. So how, I mean, it seems like a small and silly question, but I guess what I'm trying, the question I was going to ask was a dumb one, which was, I'm trying to think my way through how you've been changed by all of this, which is obviously everything in your life has changed. But I think what I'm really trying to do is distill the pieces of you that have shifted just from a values perspective from how you live your life, if that makes sense. I imagine how you move through the world you're with an intention and your values is different as a result. Mostly how I move through the world is cautiously. Like I, uh, <laughs> I'm acutely aware that I'm the sole caregiver of a human. And so the biggest change has just been like to my health and to the decisions I make and to making sure like I'm eating clean and I'm taking care of myself and I'm following up with doctor appointments. And I get like, I just, I get very nervous. Like, I don't know, even driving sometimes. And this is something that I've heard like in support groups also that like sort of happens 
to soul caregivers and certainly with me where it's like, you know, um, I just don't, I wouldn't want her to lose two parents. So like that kind of like shapes a lot of decisions from diet to just whatever lifestyle. So how you take care of yourself. Yeah. So she has the so best around. case insurance that <laughs> yeah. you can take care of her. Right. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Okay. So Marnie's march to Millway. Right. Yes. We did it. Do you All know right. what happened? No. Tell we me marched. what happened. We did. We walked. Uh, man, like 125 human souls showed up. And we walked from the Unitarian Church, where Marnie spent her Sundays as a kid, to a little bench, a little stone memorial bench that they put in by the beach that she, her family spent their weekends at uh, on Cape Cod. About a five-minute walk. Everyone showed up at a hall, and folks were welcome to come up and to speak. Her dad sold t-shirts and uh, we raised some money for IBC and for the Cape Cod Fund. And then we took a walk and uh, Coda and I led the charge. We walked down. Coda actually wanted to leave like a little memory box. We have a memory box here at the house that we have some collected some things and we put things in and she wanted to make one on the Cape and, and, and leave one there. And then we, we sang some songs around the bench and went back, ate some pizza. It was pretty, it was as close to a celebration, I think, as these celebrations of life can be. It was a beautiful day, raining all morning, and then the sky sort of parted for the walk. And it was kind of great. Um, and we're going to try to do it every year. You're still so in the thick of this grief and loss and process. So maybe we look to Marnie for the wisdom and the lessons. Hmm. Yeah. Way what wiser, is- way smarter than me. <laughs> Marnie. Yeah, just steal her words. Why are you listening to me? What What do you think um, the lessons are from, from Marnie's, Marnie's life and, and what she went through the last few years of her life? To doggedly pursue answers when something isn't right with your body. She bought herself so much more time just sort of being an advocate for herself when people were trying to sort of come up with the easy solution and say, oh, no, it's probably this, it's probably that. She doggedly sought the right answers and just got second opinions and talked to every other possible doctor and pulled every possible thread to give herself as much time as she possibly could. She helps me through my grief with the The, the back of the shirts have a, a Coda symbol. Marnie loved music, loved to sing, named Coda after the musical symbol, which is a sort of navigational symbol for musicians. If you get lost, you can return to the Coda. And for my birthday, the year before she passed, Martin made me a shirt that simply said, find your way back. And it had the little coda symbol on it. And I love the expression because it does not assume that you won't get lost. Like it it sort of graciously accepts that like days are going to be hard, especially with a toddler. It's going to be hard. And to just go ahead, like have your moment 
but uh, then come on back, like find your way back. And so it's sort of graceful and gives permission a little bit to, to have tough days, but to whatever your thing is, use it as a compass to get back. I love that. I love both of those. And I'm glad you brought up. Um, I know when I went back and listened to our conversation, when it came to our bodies and knowing was, it was clear that she wanted other people to hear that other women to hear that. Oh, for sure. Because people will give you the easy answer or not the easy answer, just the most common answer, because that's what statistics say. And you just have to listen to that little voice because no one gives a shit about you, except you. You're the, you give the most shits about you. So listen to yourself and get your screenings. I was just shooting something with a fellow actress who, you know, just after talking about it, she was like, um, I'm scheduling my mammogram, by the way. <laughs> and like, that's all she would want is like for her story to be told and for people to take care of their bodies and listen to their bodies. Well, Zach, I feel really grateful to know you, to have met Marnie briefly, but to have, have had the opportunity to, to visit with her in preparation for this conversation. And I would love one of those Coda t-shirts because I think you it's a good. It. You got to pay for it, Kimmy. I okay. got anything for free shirt. here. Okay, all right. Register, marniesarmy.org. Come to the walk, <laughs> get a shirt. Uh, coming to the walk is not a prerequisite. No, you can get a shirt. Um, well, I thank you, Kimmy, and I am proud to have our chats as part of Marnie's digital footprint. I'm proud <laughs> to have these stories there. There has to be a better word than digital footprint. Can we make it's up something work. new? Digital life journal. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to journal. I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to write these stories down. So. It's good Coda has them. Just uh, keep paying for the iTunes subscription feed for years and years, even after you you know stop doing this so she can hear them. All right. Is there anything else? <laughs> sure. There's tons. Yeah. Yes. Lots. <laughs> I could be I'm here all night. Out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Go, go, uh, go pass out and um, bring you back up and say, thank you. Okay. There um, you are. Thanks. Okay. Go thank get you. a good night's sleep. Thanks. Appreciate right. you. All right. Okay. Take care, my friend. Bye. Bye. Thanks. I hope you found value and meaning listening to Zach share his story today. And in honor of Marnie, I want to encourage every woman listening over 40, if you have not gotten a mammogram in the past year, book an appointment today. More information is always better than no information. And if you don't want to do it for yourself, do it for someone in your life who loves you. All the Wiser is produced by me, Erica Gerard from Podkit Productions. I'm John LaSala, the editor and composer and sound designer. This is associate producer Tara Daigle. And I'm Kimmy Colt. Until next time, take care of yourself and one another.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.